0: And so it's interesting how what ends up releasing us from emotional jail is actually being able to let go of that defense to feel like I'm still protecting myself against somebody. I'm grown now. But still, when this gets brought up, I'm still in a a place of defense. It's as if I'm still fighting against you, as if I still have to protect myself from you rather than being like, you know what? Actually, I'm in a safe physical space. I'm able to create a safe emotional space. But the problem is I don't feel safe mentally because when I think about you, when I think about you, I'm still up in arms. I'm still ready to fight. So I'm physically separate. But mentally, I'm in your house. I am Taylor Chandler. I'm a licensed therapist, host of this podcast, Boundaries and Grace, and leader of my practice, Reattach. My mission is to help you shift to secure attachment, uprooting anxiety and avoidance, replacing with clarity and peace. You will shift. So I want to give you all some foundational stuff about this mother and attachment issue. Something that I found really interesting is that so many people don't really know that this is a problem for them. It's like this this Pandora's box that once they realize that this is something that needs to be unraveled, unpacked, discussed, and resolved, that it actually, once done, it opens up like this whole new world for someone's ability to get to secure attachment, and so I've been, I, the when I first did these mother and attachment workshops, like what it started these in July, I was shot the I, I had the I had the most feedback on the mother and the attachment workshop. I had the most feedback. I got the most um, dynamic feedback from the mother and the attachment workshop. Um, after I did those in July and August, and so uh, I think that a lot of people have been finding that um, we normally it's like we are we are taught we are socialized to believe that a lot of issues from in relationships or in attachment are about the father. Okay, where it's like people believe and are taught. That a lot of issues that you're experiencing, man or woman, that you're experiencing in adulthood come from the father. But what you realize, and honestly, what I realized in my own work, in this, in attachment work, is that there was a lot of stuff going on with the mother. All right, y'all, let's talk about it. The mother and the attachment issue. The mother is the primary attachment. This is not to minimize the The importance the value of the father attachment, but I want you to first just understand the biology of this thing so let's take so not the emotional let's take the let let's let's pause on the emotional thing. I want you to just understand the about the like the biology of this right The child can only come out of the mother, okay it doesn't mean that the father didn't contribute to the creation of the child, but as we know, the child the fetus the womb is in the mother, okay? And that the child only comes out of the mother and that after the child is born, many children are fed straight from the mother, okay? And even when there's a pump, the milk is coming from the mother. So there's all of these connections From the child to the mother that is strictly biology, strictly biological, right? So take, so without the emotions involved. So again, it's not to discount the father at all. If we did, we could do a whole episode on the father attachment, but tonight and on these workshops coming up, there's, we're talking about the mother and that's why the emphasis is on the mother on this episode. Okay. And so there are all of these there are all of these attachments from the child to the mother that are unique, okay, that are unique. So when I say the primary attachment, I'm not necessarily saying it is your happiest attachment. it is your most um, fulfilling attachment. When I'm saying primary attachment, I'm really talking about a very objectively speaking, there are more, there are, there are these significant and unique ways that a child is attached to their mother in a way that they could not be with any other being on the planet. Are you with me so far? Do you understand what I'm saying when I'm saying primary attachment? Somebody tell me that you're understanding what I'm saying. This is, this is, this is, is, we're going to, we're going to ease into it tonight. Are y'all understanding on Patreon the primary attachment with the mother? Attachment science tells us that a lot of good, a lot of attach, our significant, the significant factors that make up our attachment style, good, are often, are. let me start over, let me start the sentence over, because I kind of have like three pauses, I confuse myself. I confuse myself, let me back up, okay. Attachment science tells us that the, that our primary attachment, our primary, the main parts of our attachment style are formed before age five. So not only does the child have unique and significant attachments to the mother that are strictly biological, not necessarily, you know, are not, you know, leaving the emotional part out. So we have some, we have strictly biological, some strict biological attachments from the child to the mother before birth, during birth, and in those first 5 years. We also know that it that it is more likely that even with two parents in the house, that the mother is more often than not the primary caregiver. Can we before we go further, can we agree that that is a fact? Right. That more often than not, even in the case of a two parent household, the mother is more often than not the primary caregiver, meaning that it doesn't mean that it's all of the time. It doesn't it is we're not saying that the father does not have a significant attachment or or value to add. Right. But we are saying that when we're thinking about biology and human development, that the mother has a, let me be careful with my words, has some significant and unique attachments with the child that the child would not have anywhere else with any other being on the planet. We're in agreement, right? Okay, good. So understanding that there's a significant biology factor, there's a human development factor, meaning that before age five, there is a lot of contact with the parent. Right. There, there's no autonomy hasn't been developed. Independence hasn't been developed. Exploring the world. There's not that opportunity. You are very much encapsulated with the parent or the caregiver. And more often than not, that is the mother. And we know the attachment science tells us that before age five, a lot of our attachment, the majority of our attachment style is formulated. Now, we also need to put an asterisk here that attachment style can change. Attachment is fluid. So as I'm saying that the attachment style is formulated there, we also leave room and are aware now that attachment can change. So I can develop my attachment style before age five. And it is reinforced after that, right? Because you you probably, most people aren't going anywhere. Some people do. Right. We can't cover every single type of family system. Right. We can't cover every single person that's been in that's been in foster care, every single. Per- but I'm saying that most people aren't going anywhere after like age five in their childhood. You're mainly in that family system. Right. Let's be reasonable here as we're having this conversation attachment style is flexible and fluid, meaning that once you enter into independence or you start to move out into the world, you have more of an opportunity for that attachment to change because you've left the family system. But while you're there, it is mo- most often, it is what it is. Do y'all understand that? You, Liz, you said it's, make, it's making sense, right? It's making sense. And so the attachment style that was developed before age five is only being reinforced in that family system. In other words, it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Our issue is when it was an insecure attachment and that insecure attachment is now being reinforced and getting stronger and stronger and stronger. I don't have the opportunity to experience other significant attachment experiences that would positively impact my attachment style until i exit the family does are you understanding this this is class right now i'm feeling very i'm feeling in my collegiate right now i'm feeling in my i'm feeling in my lecture right now okay (laughs) are y'all understanding this why does this matter taylor is probably what you are asking yourself Well, I will tell you, because we rely on our parents to give us accurate information about the world and about ourselves. We rely on our parents, good, we rely on our parents to give us accurate information about ourselves and about the world we rely on our parents to give us accurate information about the world and about ourselves so let's part, let's let, let, let let's ground really quick on everything that i've just said this is what i'm essentially telling you is that if i have gotten inaccurate information about myself and or about the world it's likely both right if if i have gotten inaccurate information about myself and about the world in my family system and especially with that primary caregiver and I don't have an opportunity to experience otherwise then that inaccurate information about myself and about the world is only reinforced so long as I am in that family system. In other words, if it's Started bad, it only got worse. If it started, if the if the information was inaccurate at the seed of my development, the the zero to age five, right? Because attachment science tells us that our majority of our attachment style is developed before age five. And so, if the seed, the in the information I was receiving about myself, about the environment, about relationship. If the seed was bad, then it only got worse, meaning that it doesn't necessarily mean the subjective experience the day to day was getting worse as in I was getting treated worse or someone was talking to me worse or someone was hitting me more. But because it was reinforced, that is what I mean by when it's, if it started bad, it only got worse because it was only reinforced so long as I was in the family system. Are you following me? This is too good. It's too good. I haven't hardly gotten started. I haven't hardly gotten started," Vip said, the second time around in this class is clicking even better. Good. That's why I said you got to hear this like more than once. You got to hear it. You got to hear it again. It does something for me every time I go over it again. Okay, are y'all following? I mean, this is, this is, this is, is it, it's feeling, it's feeling dense. It's feeling saturated tonight. I'm feeling for some reason like, like somebody's going to get, like somebody's getting it. We rely on our parents to give us accurate information about the world and about ourselves. If that information was inaccurate, then it only got worse. It only was only reinforced so long as I was in the family system. So when the parent doesn't have an accurate view of themselves and the world, we get distorted information. You understand? When the parent doesn't have an accurate view of themselves and the world, we get distorted information. So what does does that distorted information look like? What is that? Projections is one example, okay? Projections. What does that mean? A projection is something that is within me, in my subconscious, made conscious, made manifest in the world. So when I have a proje- so when I project, I'm taking something from inside of me, in the back of my mind. I'm talking about the subconscious. And I bring it forward, making it manifest in this present time, even when it's not. I'm taking something from my sub I'm going to bring it forward and make it manifest in this present time, even when it is not the present reality. Okay? So projection might be something like, here's one we're talking about mothers. Are we ready? Okay? The superwoman. Somebody put superwoman in the chat. Superwoman, the projection. Okay? So put it in the chat. I'm just, I'm feeling like, I'm feeling like somebody's really going to understand this tonight. Thank you. Thank you. All right. The superwoman projection. So if I believe as mother that I, I love hearts, you know, I just love, I love feedback. Feedback is my thing. Like I need feedback. Like I need to know that somebody's getting it. I need to know that somebody's liking it. Okay. It really does something for me. All right. So if I believe, for example, as the mother. That I have to take care of everything and everybody, and that is a belief that I have about myself. Likely because that is my own experience, or how people treated me, or how I believe other people perceive me. Regardless, it is a it is a it is a belief that I have formulated about myself, maybe with the help of other people, and I project it unto you. And so if I don't need no help, neither should you. If I don't sit down and cry, neither should you. If I don't need to process through my feelings, I don't even recognize I have them, then neither should you. Okay, that is an example of a projection. Do you understand that? So it's a belief about myself. It is, a, it is my experience. That I am taking from myself and projecting it unto you. Treating you as if you are also superwoman or should behave as such. How about this? And this is sort of with that, right? Repressing feelings. So if I repress my feelings because I believe my feelings are bad, if I believe my feelings get in the way of things getting done, how many people have heard that? if I believe that, that my feelings are bad and that they get in the way of, thing, of, of things getting done, I project that unto you and so you do not have space to express your feelings. Your feelings are irritating me. So people have this experience with their mothers. Not everybody. This is not everybody's experience. I'm talking about this is an example where, and we'll talk, uh, we'll talk about this in a second, but um where 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 your feelings were treated as if they got in the way, treat they treated your someone treated your feelings as if you were punished for your feelings rather than embraced for your feelings. Okay. So those are those that's like an example of a projection. It's my own belief that I project unto you. I treat you as if the belief that I have about me is also something that I now that I believe about you. My experience, I project onto you as your experience. Another example, so we're talking about when a parent doesn't have an accurate view of themselves in the world, we get a distorted information. Depression, okay, depression. If someone is unable to care for themselves adequately, Someone unable to care for themselves adequately, or perhaps they were anxious. Unable to soothe their, their themselves. Okay? Either way, in the case of a parent, a mother with depression or anxiety, there is a preoccupation with her own internal state, And therefore you have a distorted experience between you and her because you're no longer relating to just her. You're relating to her and her depression. You're relating to her and her anxiety. You're relating to her and her overwhelm. A child does not have the cognition to be able to make these separations. And so I don't know that it is depression or anxiety that prevents you from relating to me. All I know is that we're not relating. All I know is that when I need you, you're not there. All I know is that when I want you, I can't find you. You understand what I'm saying? So that is an inaccurate view of the world. When we are in, in depression, right, the world is gray. Anybody had depression, okay, where the world is gray and everything looks bad and food don't taste good and the sky looks bland and the grass looks dry and everything looks like trash, okay? That is an inaccurate, that is a dis view of the world. I'm not just seeing the world. I'm seeing the world through the lens of my depression and through the lit. Le- if I am relating to you through depression or anxiety, you're not really getting all of me. You're getting me. You're getting, you're getting the fragments of me. You're not getting the me that has been sucked out by the anxiety or the depression. You understand what I'm saying? Again, a child doesn't have the ability to, nor should right right, in an ideal world should not have to actually worry about these things to be able to say, Oh, I understand why you're not there for me. I understand why you don't show up for me. I just know that you don't show up. I just know that when I reach for you, I can't find you. Okay. Yes. Okay. So in the comments, yes, I understand that as a child, teen, I always thought my mother hated me, but turns out she was just a depressed single mom of three with PTSD. There it is. And so we can understand it rationally, but the wound is still there, right? Before we go, before we go through the work of resolving it. Another example, unresolved trauma, right? So you just mentioned in the comments on Patreon PTSD, right? So we can have unresolved trauma or untreated trauma. Unresolved trauma leads to a disintegrated self. Disintegrated self, a self that is broken up. Unresolved trauma leads to a self that is broken up in pieces. Okay, because trauma separates me from myself. Okay, I'm no longer having a whole experience. I'm having pieces of experiences. Does that make sense? It's it's fragmented. I experience myself in fragmentation. I don't experience my whole self. Pieces of me are cut off, chopped off, sometimes like for the sense of survival because it is too co- too mentally overwhelming or emotionally overwhelming to deal with the trauma, so I am cut off from my own self. Okay? So unresolved trauma leads to a disintegrated self. I am in pieces. Again, this is an inaccurate view of myself. It doesn't mean that it, it's not a real experience for me, but I am not seeing myself in my totality. I have a distorted experience of myself. Those are my examples for you, y'all. How we have, how when a parent has an inaccurate view of themselves or the world, we get distorted information. What I told you is this. If they're, if you're experiencing projections, if they are projecting, if they are depressed, anxious or unresolved trauma, untreated trauma. Okay, these are examples of how a parent can have inaccurate views of themselves and the world, not to say that their experience is not real, and also not saying that they caused their experience or they are to blame for their experience that causes the that causes the reality that they are then living in, that you are now collateral damage. Okay. You make. you understand what I'm saying? So those are some examples of how a parent can 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 develop an inaccurate view of themselves and the world. Depression, anxiety, unresolved trauma, PTSD, projections because of their own experiences, and now because of my inaccurate view of the world, my distorted view of myself and the world, you experience a distorted view of yourself. Okay. And we know that. You're, you're, okay, so are you following? I'm looking over here, y'all, because we're on Patreon. <laughs> you're all good. So the parent has an accurate view of the world. Does doesn't mean that they are to blame or at fault for what has happened to them or what has helped them to develop those beliefs. But it does mean that you are the recipient. Okay, you are on the. You are the collateral damage. None of this is to say that anything is done on purpose. Here's one of the issues with, with people resolving this, resolving this experience that they had in childhood with their adult self, because you still have the image of the archetypal mother, the archetype of the mother, the mother of all mothers, the mother that society feeds you, the mother that media tells you that you should have, the mother that culture tells you that you should have, the mother that is warm, the mother that is nurturing, the mother that is emotionally available, Okay. One of the re- issues, so so beyond your own emotional pain or your lack or deficits, one of the reasons why this issue is difficult for people to resolve in their adult self is because you have an image of the archetype, the prototype of the mother, which is, by the way, like no mother. An archetype, this is a different conversation. This is a very side, de- this is a detour But um, one of the issues with um, we could talk about it in terms of dating. When there is an arc, an archetype of a man, an archetype of a woman, an archetype of a mother, an archetype of a father, you are often comparing people to when you're comparing people to an archetype. It is like a standard that doesn't exist in human form, like in real life. So if you hang on to the archetype, the prototype, the ideal, you often end up disappointed because people aren't actually that way. We're humans. Archetypes are like ideal models and that's not necessarily human. Are you, are you understand that? So when you have the ideal of the mother who is the archetype, the archetype of the mother, the nurturing, warm, emotionally available mother, but yet your reality is that you did not experience an emotionally available, warm, nurturing or, in, or whatever, it, warm, nurturing in the, or, or caring in the way that your brand, that what, the way that you would like it, then there is a gap between your ideal experience and your reality in that gap. Whenever we have gaps, whenever we have splits, whenever we have space between what is real and what is my ideal, what is in mind and what is reality, we have anxiety and depression in that gap. Are you following? Are you all following the flow of this? Is this making sense to you? I know it's not as exciting as the Q&A's and people want to hear about random experiences, but I'm trying to help somebody with something real, okay? <laughs> I know I know it's not the Q&A, okay? We're going slowly through this. Okay, good. Mike's getting it. Thank you. Okay, good. Adrian is getting it. Hey, y'all, let's um, take a little break. I just want to remind you that there is a workshop um, on November 12th. So if you're listening to this like hot off the press, then you're able to register for that. Okay, I'm going to put the link in the show notes. November 12th is the All Lives, um, Your Mother and Your Attachment Workshop. And on November 19th is the All Black, Your Mother and Your Attachment Workshop. Okay, there is a workbook for everybody. Okay, the workbook I'm also going to link in the show notes. The workbook is really good to help you prep for the workshop. Um, if you've ever been in any of these workshops, you know that it's a lot. And so I think it's going to be a really good opportunity for you to pass over the information at least one time before you get into the room to have some of your questions already prepared. And um, I think it's going to help to mentally and emotionally settle people. Okay, because it can be it can be overwhelming to um, be processing through so much, um, recalling things, processing through things, and trying to... Um, imagine or implement solutions to move forward and so the workbook i think is going to really help to keep people grounded so i'm going to link all of those things below the the all lives your mother and your attachment workshop this weekend saturday november 12th the all black your mother and your your mother and your attachment workshop on saturday november 19th there will be a part two that link will be up after the first workshop is complete and the workbook is also going to be linked below y'all i hope to see you there and remember the podcast is never enough let's get back to it Y'all are following. Good, 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 good. Great. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. So that's kind of like the foundation, right? I believe that right now, so generationally speaking, right, we're 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 all we're all likely a generation to a generation and a half away from each other. Right? Like we're the as in we are in the same or like a half step above. Right. Sometimes a full step, but we're somewhere, I'm in Georgia, we're somewhere where we're, we're, we're all going to be pretty close. Right. Like, I, in other words, I'm probably not talking to someone's like great grandmother right now. Chances are. Right. Why am I saying this? Because I believe that the demands of the mother, the demands of the mother, 70s to 90s mothers and the lack of awareness surrounding the importance of emotional needs have not allowed for many mothers to do. Um, what it is that in that we people with the mother issue have been asking their mother to do. You understand what I'm saying? I believe that this is the case, whether a mother is single or married, this is about to get a little bit. We about to add a layer to this. In other words, I, I just gave you an argument for why you're not getting what, what it is that you want. And now I'm jumping over here to say, what are the chances that you would? Okay, this is gonna get a little bit weird right here. It's gonna get a little bit weird right here. Are y'all following me? Are y'all ready to take it a half step? That was uh, that other stuff was easy. I am saying that I under we're under. I'm showing you. I understand wh- why you're not getting why like the issues, the projections, the depres- the, the lack of emotional availability. And now I am telling. I'm, I'm asking you to wonder about the question. What are the chances that you would get that considering the demands of the mother and the lack of awareness surrounding the importance of emotional needs? This is important because a lot of people will just keep pushing, like, get, get what you want, get what you want. And there's something about that that doesn't quite give the whole picture. And I believe that if you just stick with that whole, like, I'm going get what I want, she should have known. Right? That's the big umbrella, right? She should have known. She should have known better. Okay? And I'm suggesting, how could she? The reason why I think this is important, again, is because I believe that if you just stick with the she should have known, you're going to be a very uh, depressed, miserable person on this journey. Okay? Because it's always going to feel like someone has taken something from you. Unjustly. That someone was, better word, withholding something from you that they knew about. And she knew that if I would have just given him this or if I would have just cared for her like that, she knew that that would have been a better way to parent me. And she just didn't do it. And I'm upset. I'm, I'm telling you, that's gonna leave you in a bad spot. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? Why, why I'm setting it up like this for you? It's gonna leave you in a bad spot if that's your mindset, if that's your stance, that she should have known. And 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 or or she did know. And she withheld something from me that grossly affect that 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 uh, negatively affected my life in a way that I will never recover from. Okay, question, if it's a generational thing, why did I see so many other mothers who have warmer relationship with their kids? Of course, like some mothers are gonna be warmer than than others. So let's just start there. Okay, so the question is this, if it's a generational thing, why did I see so many other mothers who have warmer relationship with their kids? maybe because they were warmer maybe because they were warmer so if we have to if we have to account for every every mother's personality difference or or their trauma so i am i'm i'm putting the generational thing on the on the on the table because i believe it is a factor regardless of whether you have the coldest mother of the generation let me maybe i should put it like that Right so the question is like okay if it's a generational thing why why are there so many other mothers who were warmer well maybe you have the coldest one I'm still suggesting that there's a generational factor I don't think it I don't I I think it's a, does that make sense that I'm I'm still suggesting there's a generational factor but if you have a if you have an exceptionally like a, a the personality like a if a if a person has has a personality that is cold that is uncaring, that is, that is dis, that is aloof as a personality, then you might have the coldest of the generation. right? but what my point is this my point is this, and also, I think the comment is, makes a good point. So look, the question is valid, and I also have to point out all of the angry feelings, the upset feelings, they make sense. Okay, if you didn't get caring the way that you needed it. If you didn't get, if you didn't get your brand of nurture the way that you wanted it. If it just didn't hit right. Okay. That it makes sense that I would feel a sense of lack. I would feel like something hurts in me. And y'all, I need you to take that word and very seriously. Understanding and working through these issues does not negate the coldness of your mother. It doesn't negate. It doesn't minimize. It doesn't take away from hurt that you've really felt. But if we are set on only having your painful experience, it is going to be very difficult to put any grace on this thing to put any forgiveness on this thing. You understand what I'm saying to you? It's not about negating your experience. It's about having an experience that leaves space for another experience that was happening simultaneously that I was both hurt and she wasn't able because of whatever reasons, the, um, chemical in the brain experiential in her past social in her generation right i'm um, i'm i want you do, do you understand that i don't even necessarily consider this high road thinking i consider this holistic thinking i consider this take look at the whole can we can we go sc- aerial view so that you're not so preoccupied with your own experience that we can't see the opportunities to pour grace out through for the whole experience. But when we hear something, sometimes when we hear something being, um I, I don't know if the word is explained, but if it, if it feels like, like, Like understanding someone else takes something away from me. That's a problem. That's a problem with the way that I'm processing the information. Okay. If me understanding you feels like it would take something away from me, we have a compassion issue. We have an empathy issue. We have a grace issue. Ultimately, of course, we will have a forgiveness issue. Okay. It's not about, I'm not trying to rush anybody into anything, but I am saying that if that is where you're, if that is your stance, I want you to understand you're going to have to take all of the negative things that come with it, which includes, I will be upset, resentful, angry. I will feel like I am in emotional jail You're not the only one that feels that way, that hears something like the generational thing and we feel defensive. Like, no, you're not going to take something away from my pain, right? And I'm saying I understand the stance and with that stance, you're in emotional jail. And so it's interesting how what ends up releasing us from emotional jail is actually being able to let go of that defense, to feel like I'm Still protecting myself against somebody. I'm grown now. Seriously, let's talk about it like that. I'm grown now. I, pay, I know I'm paying bills. <laughs> okay. I know I'm paying bills. I know I'm doing all this stuff, but still when this gets brought up, I'm still in a a place of defense. It's as if I'm still fighting against you, as if I still have to protect myself from you rather than being like, you know what? Actually, I'm in a safe physical space. I'm able to create a safe emotional space. But the problem is I don't feel safe mentally because when I think about you, when I think about you, I'm still up in arms. I'm still ready to fight. So I'm not, so, so I'm physically separate for the most part. A lot of people have moved out the house, right? I'm physically, se- financially separate, but mentally I'm in your house. Emotionally, I'm still in my bedroom. You understand what I'm saying? So it's not about the, the whole point of me having these kinds of things is not about making somebody right or wrong, but, but it's good to say where you're at. It's good to speak up and be like, wait, 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 that don't sound right. Because it helps us to see where there is, where there is something distorted in my own self that is going to prevent me from moving on. So the best thing that we can do is speak up and say, wait a second, that don't sound right. Wait a second. I don't know how I'm going to do that. Wait a second. After she did all that, you want me to do what? Because it gives a, it helps us to see where we still need some work, right? All right. So that was a whole, that was a whole thing. So anyway, like I was saying, where this all came from is that I really do believe that the demands of the mother and that the lack of awareness surrounding the importance of emotional needs have not allowed for many to do this single or married. And to your point, I also believe that if you, if you, um, in addition, addition, in addition, you also have a, uh, a cold, like a, a cold person, a cold mother, right? Where it's not just the demands and it's not just the fact that we are just now talking about emotional needs in this generation and a half, right? That, that if on top of that, you got a you got, um, somebody who's very, who's, who, who is disagreeable to say the least who lacks consciousness, who lacks consciousness, who lacks conscientiousness, okay, that, you're go, that you would have an extra problem, okay? So all that to say you have a point and, okay, that was good. That was important. All right, so um, why do I say that it doesn't matter whether you were single or married that I think that that's the case for uh, anybody, Anybody with that might have shown up in an unavailable way, in a dysfunctional way for you, who seated insecurity for you. Because regardless whether you're single or married as the mother, the question is, are your, are your needs met? Are your needs met? Were your needs met? And we have functional needs and we have relational needs. So sometimes you have a functional need met, like the money is taken care of, but relationally, so let's say you married, two-parent two household, and the functional needs were met. Let's say, let's just say, for example, and I'm not saying that every married household, the functional need is met. But let's say, for this example, the functional need is met. But we're talking about uh, relational needs possibly being unmet that might then create some distorted behaviors in, the, in parenting. I'm trying to keep it short. Okay. Now I, have, I could have my functional needs met, things paid for, cars in the driveway. But relationally, my needs were not met, and if my and if my emotional needs were not met, and I am approaching relationship at a deficit, then that's going to that's going to affect. It can affect, right? Especially if I lack emotional maturity, it can affect the way that I'm relating to you, my child. I think mean, there are a lot of people that created children without their any relationships or connections where their emotional needs weren't met. And we are just now getting to a place where people are like, wait a second, I refuse to be in a relationship where my emotional needs are not met. That was not on a lot of people, right? I said, I was talking about parents, 70s to 90s as parents, not born 70s and 90s, but parents between 70s and 90s. A lot of people, when they were, not when they were um, seeking a wife or a husband weren't, didn't have a lit, like I have a list of emotional needs for people in my groups. They weren't saying like, I need this, that, that, and I know how to ask for that. And if without that, I know that I'm going to have a miserable life and I refuse to partner with or have a child with someone that doesn't meet my emotional needs. That was not the case for like, that's what we're doing. And I believe that that is a, g- a great way to do it. It's conscious coupling in my opinion, right? Didn't Gwyneth Paltrow call it conscious uncoupling? I call it conscious coupling, Okay, where there is more to the attachment, there is more to the child making, there is more to the relationship than what was on the list for your parents or grandparents. We, y'all, we just started talking about this like this. Okay, this is new. Okay, emotional needs and all that stuff. That's why a lot of people, when they go back to talk to their parents, the parents are like, what are you talking about? Emotional needs. I paid for your school, didn't I? Okay, so this is new stuff for a lot of people. Again, I'm suggesting that the demands of the mother and the lack of awareness of emotional needs did not allow for these kinds of reflections. And therefore, what could I offer you in that realm aside from my natural ability? Think about it like this, this example, right? Cigarette smoking. You used to be able to smoke cigarettes on a plane. You used to be able you you actually, y'all, we all lived in town. You used to be able to smoke cigarettes in the restaurant. Remember when they just were putting up the signs about like um no smoking inside, and now it's a given, right? It's like, of course you shouldn't be smoking in here. What are you talking about? It would be weird if somebody took a cigar a Marlboro cigarette and you were at the Cheesecake Factory and they just lit up a cigarette. You'd be like, don't you know that this is unhealthy? You did that, you do that on a plane, they probably kick you off. Listen to me. The same way that they, that we realized that cigarette smoking didn't make sense for you in, in, in physically, it didn't make sense socially. You were out here smoke, like uh, people were breathing in your secondhand smoke, and we didn't have the literal awareness or the research to know that that was a really bad idea. And now it seems obvious smoking on a plane. Y'all, I'm, I'm telling you, this is the same thing as our emotional needs and emotional health. This is new. It's just now hitting the press. We are just now putting the signs up, the no smoking signs. We're just now putting the signs up, don't abandon your children. We're just now putting the signs up, accept your children for all that they are. We're just now putting the signs up. The reason why I'm saying this is because if you're treating it as if the signs were always up, as if everybody should have known, I think that you are out of step with history. I think you're out of step with reality. And you know I'm all about everybody getting what they want, but I need you to come at it from a realistic perspective. We just put the signs up, okay? Remember when we put this, they put the cigarette signs up in the, in the restaurants. They started to section off the restaurants and say, all right, you can smoke over here. And then it turned to be only outside, right? But there's a, there was a period of time. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? There was a period of time where somebody might get caught lighting up the cigarette in a normal booth. I'm telling you, we are just at the point where people are starting to phase out their emotional immaturity, their ways of rejecting and invalidating children. We are just now phasing out. And and, and I'm telling you from, from your for your own perspective, it is a it's a difficult position for you, primarily for you to go into the restaurant. When they just snap, they just started putting the signs up. Hey, you can't smoke in here anymore. And somebody, and and just yesterday they could, and somebody lights a cigarette, and you wailing on them like. Like, how could you do this? Don't you know? And they're like, no, I don't know, actually. No, I actually didn't know. Especially when we're talking about generationally, an old person smoking rest, smoking in the, um, in the restaurant or on the plane. And they're like, no, actually, I didn't know. No, I didn't know that the secondhand smoke would get into you like that and that it could create cancer like that. No, I didn't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm just suggesting that you should leave some space. For some, for some parents, some good meaning parents. And I'm not saying that's everybody, but I am saying that's a lot of people. And even when they're cold, that, that, uh, that most parents are not actually intentionally trying to maliciously harm you and hurt your, hurt you for life. I'm telling that's not most, I'm, I'm also saying that some people even in their, even not in their intention to do that, but that they still create a higher degree of damage. I account for that. I understand that. And still the point remains. I'm telling you that still the the point stands. That there are a lot of parents out here that are being treated as if they should have known. And they are really saying, I didn't know. I didn't know. This is how I've been doing it my whole life. I've been smoking on the plane. I've been smoking in the restaurant. This is what I've been doing. Y'all don't do this. I do this. Y'all don't do that. Y'all don't do the um children should be seen and not heard. Y'all don't do I do that. That's some new generation stuff. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know I know you don't want to hear it. Cause listen, y'all's your kids have never known a restaurant to allow smoking. These kids have never known an airplane that allowed smoking. It's almost weird that there would even be a sign, a light still. They probably will get rid of those because it's becoming irrelevant. It's like, do you even need to tell somebody not to smoke? Right? It's like, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, do I even need to tell you? I'm, t- I'm, I'm asking you to have a bigger perspective. Okay. That, that in your frustration, that they should know the impact. I'm, I'm telling you to have some hope that they will, that, that generationally they will, just like we now understand the detriments of something like cigarette smoking. It didn't used to be like this. and we are a this is a this is a this is a very i hate to say narrow 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 minded hey narrow minded narrow mind is a narrow minded perspective i don't mean to i don't want to be offensive i'm telling you though it's narrow minded I'm asking you to expand and say, you know what? In three generations, they're going to they're know that acceptance is the only way to go. In three generations, they're going to know about emotional validation. They're going to know that about attachment repair. They're going to know about the disruptions and that I can't just sweep it under the rug. In three generations, but we're so obsessed with our own hurt That we're not worried about three generations and you won't even, listen, listen, listen to me. If you don't start fixing your mindset about this and start to create some bridges because you are the emotional aware one. You are the one that's going through therapy. You are the one that's in coaching. You are the one that's on the live. It is going to be more of your responsibility than the people that never knew about it. And if you don't get out of this narrow-minded perspective, three generations from now will be broken families because we continue brokener, brokenest, broken more families because we couldn't get out. Don't let this be our mark, that we couldn't get out of our own pain. That when there was an opportunity to practice reconciliation, forgiveness and grace. We couldn't take it. We didn't see the opportunity because I was so obsessed with my pain and that you should have known you are going to bear this responsibility more than the people who never eat. It was never even their intention to do this work. You understand that is mostly our desire. They're good. And we're like, are you really good? They good. Just say they good. Living their life, they they finna be. They're good. They're good. They don't want it. They're not really trying to learn a whole bunch of new language. They're not really trying to switch it up a whole lot. They good. This is our desire, okay. And if it is your desire, you've got to take on the responsibility for how you're going to handle it. Instead of projecting that onto somebody else and saying you've got to want this like I want it. You've got to care like I care. No, I care. And maybe you don't care as much as me. Now, what am I going to do with that? That does not involve holding it against you, holding a grudge for the rest of my life. It's not about minimizing the pain. Okay? It's about having a larger perspective. We have an an opportunity to do this better. But we will miss the opportunity if we stay with this narrow-minded perspective, okay, if you want your children and your children's children and your children's children's children to not have to deal with this stuff, what you can't do is, 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 is maintain fragmentation, okay, when we could have done something different, when we could have we could have practiced grace where your parents didn't do it. We could have practiced acceptance where your grandparents never did it. Okay. I need you to have a larger perspective. We've got to get out of the way. We've got, we've got to, this is, this is getting, it's getting, it's getting, a, it's getting out of hand. Okay. There is a space for all of everybody's pain. And then there, there needs to be, we need to start focusing on moving forward and how to really like wrap this thing up. Seriously, because every people are in chains over this stuff. Chains, emotional chains, mental chains over this. It's just ridiculous. It really is. At some point, we've got to be like, you know what? This looks this looks wild. And what I want for my children does not look like the way that I am acting right now. Okay, and so we've got to find a different way forward. So basically what I'm saying, y'all. Where even are we? I be doing that, don't I? Just begin all kinds of. All right, so the ch- um, essentially, y'all, what I'm saying is the child can learn dysfunctional ways of relating by modeling and survival. When the parent is relating to you in a um, dysfunctional way or a distorted way, the child then learns dysfunctional ways of relating, both by modeling and survival, okay? Modeling by the parent and survival, meaning like how do I avoid punishment? So the, the way that the child might learn to do that um, learn to relate is to stay distant okay I stay distant to avoid punishment I appease you I people please to avoid punishment I'll give you what you want and f what I want And my what I want doesn't matter no one cares um, here's another way I won't ask for too much so same kind of thing right Um, but that's more of a silence, a silent appeasing. I won't ask for too much because I don't want to get in the way. I don't want to burden you. I might exaggerate what I want or what I need because I think it's the only way that I can get your attention. Okay. So those are examples of dysfunctional ways of relating. I might learn that by modeling and, um, serve and learning how to survive, how to avoid punishment, understanding that punishment is not always physical. It can be emotional. It can be mental. Okay. So again, I might stay distant. I might appease you. I might, again, it's like people pleasing. I might not ask for too much. That's more of a silent appeasing. So I want to stay out of the way. I don't want to irritate you or burden you, or I might exaggerate what I want or need because I think it's the only way that you're going to get my attention. I think some of you that have heard Attachment 101 can start to put those in the categories of the anxious type, the fearful avoidant type, and the avoidant type, okay? And the strategy that you use has to do with your personality and behaviors of your parent and your own personality, what did I repeat? My, I think I just repeated myself. The strategy that you use. So as you're listening to that list and you're like, well, how do I what how do I know? Like, why did I do what or where does that come from? So that can have to do with the your own personality. Like extroverts are going to be more likely to maybe exaggerate than an introvert, which could be more likely to stay silent. Um, That has like that. That's a like a can be a function of your personality rather than like a direct, like a 100% direct correlation to who your parent is or how you thought you needed to survive them. Okay, so the strategy you use can have to do with your personality um, and or the behaviors of your parent. Um, and we carry these things into a adulthood. This is the last part. And then we're going to go tonight. Okay. So we carry these into adulthood. You might turn out to be ultra independent. So you might have, like, as in staying distant from others, you don't want to rely too much on someone else. You're unable to, tr- you might be able to, um, you might be unable to trust connections. So I'm able to be here, but I'm not able to trust that you're going to stay, or I'm not able to trust myself with you. I'm not sure if I can really care for you in the way that would satisfy you. I'm, I'm unable to trust connections. I'm unable, able to trust that you're really here for me. Um I might have a difficult time in adulthood. I might have a difficult time feeling like there is space enough for both of us. Okay, so I might um I might be anxious and clingy because I'm afraid that there's not enough space for me. Or I might be avoidant because I believe that you won't you don't have enough space for me anyway. Um, I might have a difficult time not I might have a difficult time because I'm hyper-focusing on you. How do I get your attention? How else would I be important? Or how else can I meet your needs? I am hyper-focused on you because I think that's the only way that I might be relevant to your life. All right. Um, But Here's uh, one last one for um, how adult children might end up showing up with the insecurely attached parent. Um, difficulty making decisions on my own. Okay. This is like a codependent and ultra codependent submissive type. So I might have difficulty making decisions on my own. And then I become very angry at the feeling of being controlled. (laughs) So I can't, so I feel like I can't make decisions on my own. And so I rely on you, but then I resent the fact that I rely on you so much. Does that sound like the fearful avoidance to you? Do you see how you can make that connection? Okay all right um all right so all in all issues with the mother lead to unhelpful and dysfunctional beliefs about myself and relationships y'all that's the basis of the mother stuff all right y'all that was a lot i feel like i say that a lot that that was a lot because it was a lot Thank you so much for listening. I certainly appreciate your support. Thank you for everyone who has cash-apped a 5, a 10, a 20, a 200. We've got one of those. We've got some of those. So thank you so much for y'all that are showing your support in that way. I appreciate it. And thank you for those who are um, commenting. I'm noticing there's there's some more um, reviews on there, so I certainly appreciate it. If you haven't pressed those stars and you've been enjoying it, um, go ahead and press those stars. If you haven't been enjoying this, I'm not asking you for anything. I'm not. I'm not. It's okay. Just please have a good day okay thank you so much for listening and um i look forward to seeing some of y'all in workshop uh and i will uh hear you all see you all listen to you all again oh yeah and also remember the patreon is uh did what i just say i don't think that made any sense anyway The patreon y'all is where i'm recording many of these lives okay and so if you want to be a part of the conversation um and if you want to be a part of some things that are going to be coming up especially in 2023 if you want some codes to get some things for a discount you know i'll be dropping some i'll be dropping these things in patreon so um also another way to just support this work right by becoming a, a patron of the patreon so that is also linked in the show notes y'all there is there are so many ways it's just getting you know we're expanding things there's so many different ways to get involved and to be a part of this work so i'm excited i'm excited for the year that's coming up i'm excited for the things that are coming up around the corner i'm excited for you to be along here with me i'm excited for the growth that i've experienced oh goodness i'm excited for the growth that i've experienced i'm excited for what's on the way y'all i feel like we're in the waiting room right now and there's gonna be a lot of really good things coming down the pipeline so i appreciate your support and um see you next week